So good. So uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to speak about overcoming disappointment by recovering hope. Overcoming disappointment by recovering hope. And uh, if you want to turn your Bible electronically or physical paper one, I have discovered that actually paper's faster. It's just heavier to carry around. Proverbs 13. It depends on your app. Yeah, I've got a slow running app. I just believe I'm going to help many of you this morning come into fresh hope, fresh faith for your own circumstances, for your own healing, for your own family, for your own finances, for your future, for your destiny, for your dreams. That's what this is about this morning. And, and I'm going to help you with the help of the Holy Spirit see something that will help you enter into your healing, help you carry healing to other people, help you carry His presence and enjoy, enjoy Him. So Proverbs 13 verse 12 really simply says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and if you can, go to Proverbs 3 verse 5 because this, this connects connects it together really so 10 chapters previous proverbs 3 verse 5 it says this that trust in the lord with all your what with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and that, that they're put together because they're the options you can either lean on your own understanding or you can trust in the lord with all your heart And the other verse we read says, hope deferred makes what sick? The heart is sick when hope is deferred. What do we need to be in good shape in order to trust? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. When our heart gets sick, our ability to trust declines. And the alternative to trusting in the Lord with all of our heart is relying on our own insight, which is also not so good. But it's the way that a great deal of Christianity, in my experience, is lived out. We live within the realm of what I understand, not in the realm of the spirit, which is the supernatural realm, which is in the realm of risk and scary stuff. But actually, we're called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And one of the things that interferes with our capacity for trust is, is hope deferred, or we would call that disappointment. Something we dreamed of, something we desired, something we asked God for, a miracle we were hoping for, looking for, praying for, that doesn't come, can make our heart sick. And then it becomes very difficult to trust in the Lord with all of your heart next time for the next thing that you need. Jesus said it like this. John's disciples came to him. John was locked up in prison. And John was the one who actually baptized Jesus and and recognized him as the Messiah. But somehow here he is locked up in prison and he, he has a doubt. And he sends his disciples to Jesus in Matthew 11. We haven't got time to turn there now. And, and says, are you the one? 
he was the one who identified him in the first place. And he says, are you the one? Or should we look for another? And Jesus sends a reply back saying, well, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. And then he says this, blessed is he who doesn't get offended in me. I don't know if John was in the synagogue when Jesus stood up and pronounced that he'd come to set the captives free, give sight to the blind and release to the prisoners. But I think he knew that about Jesus' ministry. But here's John in a prison and Jesus is not coming to let him out. And maybe, just maybe, there's a doubt, there's a lingering doubt. Is Well, he said all this, but he's not coming to help me. Is he really who he said he is? And Jesus is saying, blessed is he who takes no offense in me. We have to guard our hearts, another proverb, because out of it is the wellsprings of life. We have to guard our hearts against offense, against disappointment, against dashed hopes, because our heart is the wellspring of life. It's our believer It's where we believe. It's where faith comes. It's where we incubate hope and where faith springs to life. The condition of your insides is very important to God and very important to your your ability to hope and to believe. And it is possible to get offended at the way God deals with you or doesn't deal with you or the way that God shows up for you or doesn't show up for you. And in a church like this where we are going for a number of things, but right at the front of what we're going for is healing and signs and wonders. Because we believe that it's not a powerless gospel and the gospel of power is meant to be demonstrated as well as spoken about. So it's a powerful message, not just because the message is powerful, but because it's accompanied with signs and wonders. That is one scary message in today's world. We're here to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, give sight to the blind, restore the deaf, cast out cancers. It's quite, that is a high risk. Wouldn't it be better if we were just here to be, you know, nice to one another, love one another, be good at our jobs and enjoy his presence and share the gospel with people with tracts. And that's all excellent and all good. But what we're saying is we're here for his presence, but being here for his presence means we're here for the kingdom coming. And when the kingdom comes, the king comes. And when the king comes, he brings all his goodies with him. So this isn't a harsh thing. The kingdom of God is an environment of love. And love, God's love looks like something. It looks like healing, deliverance, signs and wonders, amazing outpourings. It's not just a wonderful encounter. It is that. It is that wonderful encounter of heart to heart. It also flows out into signs, wonders, and demonstrations of power. And as we're pursuing that, that exposes us to the more greater potential for being disappointed. So it's easier to not pursue it, and then you don't get disappointed. It's kind of one way of thinking about it, but we've jettisoned that way of thinking about it. Well, I have. (laughs) So disappointment can affect the trajectory of your whole life. In an attempt to protect myself or ourselves from pain and disappointment, you start to not take risks, to not step out 
from where you're comfortable and where you're sure that it's going to be okay. So you begin to design a life that does not require the supernatural intervention of God in case the supernatural intervention of God does not happen. This is heart sickness and comes from deferred hope. Things you dreamed of, desired, believed for and didn't show up. Or it got worse instead of getting better. Or the money didn't come. Or the friend died. The healing didn't happen. The encounter with God didn't take place. that kind of broods around on the inside of us our capacity to believe again declines and our willingness to step out of our controlled comfort zone declines as well we want to keep it within the realms of we're sure that it's going to be okay and it's a heart disease that inhibits our growth capacity and our ability to have hope and faith and expectation and as I've already said it reduces our desire or willingness to risk. As one famous saint of God says, you spell faith R-I-S-K. And I think that's absolutely true. If there is no possibility of failure, there is no possibility of miracle. Um, Now, this is not intended, I'm hoping, doesn't, over as a lecture because it's not it's my living experience so in I just want to tell you a few stories in the 80s <clears throat> I got I got very impacted as a, as a young guy and we were doing healing meetings and we were seeing some amazing stuff we actually were seeing some amazing stuff I mean I was scared I can remember the first one it's like burned in my memory so we'd advertised it we invited people I was the speaker and it was advertised it wasn't like subtle we will pray for the sick it's, this is a healing meeting and I was doing it and I'm like ah! I'm going to stand up and then we're going to pray for the sick and if no one gets healed I look completely like a fraud so we were, I was crying out to God man I fasted I shouted man you don't half pray when you do those sort of meetings and we had this healing meeting and we invited people forward and for a long, long, it seemed like eternity in the room, nothing happened. And then suddenly at the back there was a shout and this woman who'd had a car accident and it totally messed up her spine and her shoulders just got healed in the room. And I'm like, wow, of course it was always going to happen. <laughs> And we went on, and, and, and lots of great things happened, and our faith grew. The problem was, people who were really, really sick started to hear about this. I remember one week, we were preaching, and, and, and this happens in these kind of meetings. You're just getting ready to get going, and the wheelchair person comes in. All right, And they don't stay at the back. The wheelchair person is desperate, and they want to be as close to 
the guy or woman as possible. And so they, here they come, and I'm sitting ready to get the meeting, and they wheel this woman in a wheelchair right down the front, right in front of me, and park her like where Johnny's sitting. And then they help her, they manhandle her out of the wheelchair and stick her on the floor where she kind of kneels and supports herself on her knuckles through the whole meeting. And I'm trying to preach about God breaking in and God doing miracles. And all the time I'm desperately trying to not look at her. <laughs> and, then, and then the end of it comes and I'm like, oh God, give me words of knowledge. Give me I want a word of knowledge, but not her. Not, I don't want that word of knowledge. And I almost got shoved off the platform by the Holy Spirit. It says, pray for the woman. You, know, you don't need a word of knowledge. There's your opportunity. And I'm thinking, yeah, but that's a scary opportunity. And we started to pray for her. I found myself there with a few friends. And then she starts to scream in pain. <laughs> well, I'm killing her now. I'm just like... And so I said to her, you could actually hear the back kind of being... It was being manipulated by heaven. And she was like, ah, like, this can't be good. But she's now carry on, it's great. And I'm like, it doesn't look great to me, but we were, we were all the way in now. There was no way out. <laughs> so we're praying and she says, I want to stand up. I'm like, wow, well stand up then, stand up. She starts to walk around the room. She says, I haven't done this in forever and she had some sort of arthritic collapsed spine thing she starts to walk around the room and then she says my eyes my eyes what about your eyes she says, well, I left my glasses on the seat hold your fingers up so I'm holding my fingers up she says I can see your fingers and I couldn't see your fingers and we found her glasses and they were those old school really sort of thick things and she could see and she went up to her husband and she could see her husband's face without her glasses on and I'm like glory has invaded the house And she toddled out with her wheelchair. I'm like, oh, God's man of faith and power. I don't feel like that at the beginning of the meeting. <laughs> and then uh, they brought uh, just some non-Christian couple heard about this stuff and they brought uh, a two-year-old child with a massive cancerous growth on her neck. And they're like, well, we heard God was doing stuff here. We don't particularly believe, but would you pray? So we prayed, we cried out. And then we buried her. Uh, uh, we sent flowers. I wanted to send a miracle. And another person phoned and said, my wife is dying with cancer. We can't even get to a meeting. Would you come to our house and pray? And uh, this was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. I still don't have a theology for this, but this is what happened. We walked in the house, three of us. The husband sat us down and said, look, we go to an Anglican church uh, my wife's a believer, I go along, but I'm not a believer, I'm kind of thinking about it. But she's in desperate straits, uh, cancer all over her body, would you come up and pray? So yeah, of course, that's why we're here. We went upstairs, she had one of these sort of self-medicating morphine pumps. And basically she had uh, all over her body, I don't know what kind of cancer it was, but she had tumors everywhere. And she was just shriveling up. We prayed, the presence of God came in that room mightily and the husband spoke in tongues <laughs> you've got to be willing to live in the realm of mystery when you get into this stuff the woman died um, that messed me up 
and, and uh, that, that was two on the trot. And uh, disappointment. I understand disappointment. I'd put myself out there. We buried two cancer patients who'd come to us in hope that we had lifted up and we'd failed them. Um, it was difficult. I was lifting up hope I had no guarantee of fulfilling. This is how I felt. Raising hopes up in others only for them to be dashed. And I felt exposed and vulnerable like you know, God was kind of messing about with me really. Um, also, I felt naked and foolish, which is not a great feeling, is it? You, know, you stand at the front and you're talking about healing and the people you pray for die. Uh, then, uh, and yet, and yet, and yet, in this kind of disappointed state, which went on for quite a long time, for years and years and years, really, what it did was dampen down my appetite reaching into God for this dimension because it had exposed me and yet bizarrely God still showed up every now and again and did dramatic healings in our house or so one of our lodgers was a young girl we've told the story before she'd had an awful upbringing been been physically abused and one, some of the fruit of that was she all her joints were in pain. She wore supports on her wrists. She'd come home from work. She'd have to lie down on the sofa for half an hour before she could even climb the one flight of stairs to go to her bedroom. Her wrists ached, her hips ached, her back, everything about her was just aching. And she asked us to pray. And it must have taken me more than a month to get round to it. That's the kind of, well, maybe I will. And when we did pray, I felt nothing. No faith, no presence came in the room. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then one evening we hear the basketball being bounced in the yard. And I checked and both my sons are in the house. And we go out and there's Penny bouncing the basketball. And we're like, Penny, what are you doing? She said, I'm checking my wrists out. She said, since you prayed, which was a week or two before, I've had no pain in my body. Actually, truth be known, I'm jogging home from work. (laughs) She joined the football team. She played every sport. She got completely free from all her pain. But that still didn't move me out of this this place. And then I I told the story a few weeks ago. I'm going to tell it again. But we had a meeting, a joint churches prayer meeting, called everybody together. Incredible presence in the room. So we said, let's call people forward for prayer. God's going to do something. So we called people for prayer. Two of our guys prayed for a blind man. Completely got his sight back. Lost his guide dog. Lost every, you know, the shades, the whole thing. He, he, he was fully functioning, sight, sighted person. Wow. And still it didn't shift. But stuff would happen. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to lay it on really thick. Just just stay with me. Uh, (laughs) Then our son got cancer, and simultaneously my friend's son got cancer. Literally, I was about to pick the phone up to ring him to tell him that our son had got testicular cancer and he had 40 tumors in his lungs. And as I was going to do that, the phone rang, and he said, Andy, I'm in the car chasing the ambulance to Leeds Royal Infirmary my son has got something terribly wrong with him. 
And within a, a day, they found he had a, he had a, a, cant, a, a tumor in his brain that was growing like stink. We prayed. My son, it wasn't a miracle. He, it, there was some miracle in it, but it wasn't all miracle. He had chemo, which sometimes is worse than the, But he is alive and well 10 years out of it. Uh, he was about to have half a lung removed. And we prayed over him. And the surgeon came in and said, we're not going to do this. And then they retested him and... Thank God he has all his lungs. Um, the other lad, six weeks, was dead. And as elders, we met, and what are we going to say to the church? And yeah, everybody prayed. I mean, everything's kicking off in you, isn't it? Your sympathies, your desires, your... He's 13, this boy, wasn't... He had not had a life. His All life was in front of him. Um... So what do we say? What do we say to the church? I regret that we did this, but this is what we did. Um, We basically said that God took him. See, when you get into this, it boils down to a very sharp point. Yeah? Yeah? Why didn't this work? Who did the guy in? And the trouble when you take that position is it takes some of the gloss off the goodness of God that you are now telling your church to believe kills 13-year-old boys with cancer in the brain. But if you go the other way, you make everybody feel bad that we didn't pray hard enough, fast long enough. Whose fault is it? Why did he die? Why did the two-year-old die? Why, why didn't we have enough to blow this thing out of the water and be glorious and, and triumphant about it all? Um, we need to park it somewhere. And where we parked it was God. But if you park it there, you're then saying, well, something could happen in in our life and it's God's will to kill you early. And I get into preserving me because I don't want to take a risk and look stupid and preserving people because I don't want them to get disappointed. So you lead a church in such a way as to avoid the risk of these kind of things happening and kind of make it all secure and safe, quotes for everybody. But you know what we did? You know what we did? 
we've robbed the church of the supernatural. We've robbed the church of an expectation of something amazingly good happening at any time. In fact, I know of a church, you know the song we sing that he makes all things work together for our good? He makes all things work. I like the song. And the worship leader kept singing that refrain over and over again. You make all things work. And actually the church leader took him to one side and said, don't do that because you'll give people an expectation that God might actually want to do something good for them. This is a charismatic Bible-believing. So if this is a very sharp point, beloved, this is a very sharp point, but if you park your emotions on the wrong side of that point, you're in for a very dull life, but quite safe. And I just want to say that, that I have unparked myself and I've parked on the other side of the point. And actually, it's harder at one level, but happier in a whole lot of other ways. Because I figured out that it wasn't just down to me or him, but there's another player on the scene that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about him because he doesn't like to be talked about, because he wants to shift all the blame everywhere but him. I love that Simon and Garfunkel song The Boxer it's on that album isn't it the new uh, Jam yeah Mumford and Sons have redone it so it's trendy again so I can talk about it it's on the new Mumford and Sons album The Boxer I used to sing it when I was 17 years old but the, the final, it's kind of about the journey of this guy. And at the end, it says, In the clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade. But he carries the reminder of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and his pain, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. <laughs> but the fighter still remains. Come on, church. We've all had some cuts and bruises. But when Jesus comes to live inside of you, there's the hope of glory. Let's not pour so much disappointment on the hope of glory that we're not expecting anything miraculous anymore. I got, bless her, Carissa, right on time, posted on Facebook this testimony, which was just for me yesterday. 14-year-old boy with a cancer that started in the brain which ate through his skull and started growing out on top of his head. They now have photo evidence of this. He was prayed for over five weeks and was totally healed. The skull regrew and hair is now growing back on the scalp. The next time, I want that outcome. And if I stop praying and I stop believing and I start blaming God for killing teenagers, I will not believe for that to happen. And I believe that can happen. 
I believe that can happen in Glasgow. I believe that can happen in this church and through this church. I believe that we can disappoint our disappointments. I believe God is good, he's supernatural, and he does good stuff all the time, and we're just learning to access that better and better. And I believe the devil's really, really, really nasty, and I've seen how nasty he is. And I want to stay connected to the goodness of God. So that all the people who are hopeless, who are broken, who are hurting, who are sick, who are desperate and disappointed and have no hope in this world, I can bring hope to them. How are you doing? <clears throat> oh, I didn't realize this would be so emotional. Goodness me. See, disappointment. Just, just pray for me. Disappointment affects our view of God and it affects our view of ourselves. Because if we start blaming God, then we have to adjust our view of what goodness is. Too many theological people just put God's goodness in the realm of the spiritual. So he's so good that he forgives you and he gives you righteousness and he takes you to heaven. But the psalmist says, I believe I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm not just waiting for the sweet by and by to receive all the manifold blessings of God. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? Yes, that's a spiritual thing. But the next thing he says is, he heals all your diseases. That's so, you know, you could sit in a chair today and say, oh, my sins are forgiven and have felt nothing and received nothing. You can just say it. But whether you're healed or not is blooming obvious. But David said, the benefits of knowing God are forgiven sins, which is very real, but can be intangible, and all, I mean, he even said all your diseases, heals all your diseases. God is good, and he does good stuff, and he does good stuff now. But when we get into disappointment, we start to park goodness to eternity. Or we start to say that we're in this whole thing of the already and the not yet. So the kingdom of God is going to come fully at the end and we're in the not yet. We don't have it all yet. But we just start to put too much in to the not yet and not enough in the already. If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. Or we put it into the sovereignty of God, which is we're all just really just hanging around till God decides he wants to do something good. It wasn't his will, effectively, at this point in time to heal that person, that sickness, that disease. The trouble with that is we're in a bit of a guessing game then, and we're in a bit of a lottery. We've actually made God into like a Greek God who, if he's in a good mood, will heal people, and if he's in a bad mood, he'll make them sick. That's not, that's not, that's not the gospel, that's not the God of the gospel. That's not the God that Jesus demonstrated. Jesus healed all those who came to him. Full stop. He said, I don't feel like it today. Or, "Mm, you're a bad boy, I'm not going to do it. None of that happened. Uh, Is this helping anybody? (sighs) 
See, disappointment affects our view of God and it affects our view of ourselves. We start to blame ourselves that we're not spiritual enough, we're not good enough, we didn't fast enough, we don't have enough faith. And we start to mess with Scripture that is actually incredibly black and white, I think, on this subject and try and spiritualize it all. And it pulls us into a natural Christianity because of what I said at the beginning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If your heart is disappointed, it's hard to trust. So there's only one place to go and that's what you think. What you think is natural. What he thinks is supernatural. So our heart needs to be in a good place and then we can keep believing and then we can keep releasing heaven on earth. Then we can keep seeing the supernatural becoming the normal because we have our, our believer system intact in and in a good place. Ah, oh, time. My goodness, Jesus, help me. Christianity without the supernatural is Jesus without the Christ. Jesus Christ is not Christ is not his surname. You know, at school, when they took the register, they wouldn't have gone, Jesus Christ, here, sir. They would have said Jesus, whatever his family name was. Christ is a description of the anointed one. Satan is described as the anti Christ. What's the anti? He's anti the anointing. Who's the anointing? The Holy Spirit. We end up with Jesus without the anointing. Jesus without the supernatural. Jesus without the honoring the presence of the Spirit when we start to resort to our own understanding. When we end up giving people empathy and sympathy rather than spiritual supernatural breakthrough. Folks, we have an enemy. He doesn't like us to call it. And we don't want to focus on him because he likes that. But we have one. And Jesus doesn't say a huge amount about him, but he does describe him pretty well. John 10.10, he says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, so that's one character in the scenario, in the world that we're living in. A thief. And it's not a game. I've come to give you life. And life abundant. So he steals our money, kills our children, destroys our health and relationships. He steals our clarity of purpose, kills our sense of identity, and destroys our hope of seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. If any of that's happening to you, you know who's doing it. Jesus has come to bring life in your body, life to your children, life to your bones, life to your finances, life to your mind, life to your relationships, health to you, favor to you, peace to you. He's good. We have a very, very good God. 
and a very, very nasty devil. The reason I know that sickness didn't come from heaven is because there isn't any there. And when Jesus came, who was the exact representation of God, he didn't give anybody sickness either. And he never told someone it was the will of God that they were ill so that they could be more holy. No one ever came to him and said, I'm not going to hear you today because you need to persevere through this trial. Never said that. Look, it's never, not there. Anybody who asked him, is it, you know, if it's your will, he's like, well, of course it's my will. Be healed. See, in heaven, there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no death, there's no crying. And more of that is coming to a body near you. That's what Jesus... The amazing thing about Jesus was that he said the kingdom of God is here. Now. Not you have to wait for it. They'd already been waiting. The shocker was it's here and it's me. Francis Frangipane famously said in his book, The Three Battlegrounds, every area of your life that does not have glistening hope is under the influence of a lie. (laughs) Can can I run you that one again? I just love it. Every area of your life that does not have glistening hope, I like that phrase, sparkly hope on the inside. Woo! Hope. Hope is a good thing. You know, I think hope. Hope would be a great name for a church. Hope Church. Oh, that's what we're called. Hope. Hope. There's breath, there's life in hope. Romans 15 says this, verse 13, May the God of hope. See, God is a God of hope. He's not a God of disappointment. God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You're full of hope. It's not like, oh, it didn't work again. It's hope. It's going to happen. It's hope He's going to come through for you. It's hope because He's good. It's hope because He loves. It's hope because He's present. It's hope because He's for you and not against you. It's hope because He's going to give you all things because He's already done it in Christ. It's hopeful. It's happy. The Holy Spirit fills you with hope. And you need more of it the longer you've been alive. It's time to Ditch our disappointments and be filled with the Holy Spirit and hope for healing, hope for provision, hope for salvation, hope for breakthrough. I'm not planning on staying disappointed. I'm planning on seeing cancer healed. More and more and more and more. And deaf people hearing more and more and more and more. Yeah, a few blind eyes seeing. That would be good, wouldn't it? Some of you here got real sight difficulties. 
come on. See, my experience is not the final word. My desire to protect me is not the highest value on the planet. Romans 3 verse 4 just says, Let God be true and everyone else be found a liar. (laughs) You know, if the whole planet is saying, God gives people cancer. Let God be true. He doesn't give people cancer. He gives them health. He raises the dead. Why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Because it wasn't his time to go. Every death is not in God's timing. Lazarus died eventually, but that was not the time for him to die. So Jesus, he's four days dead, stands outside the tomb and says, Oi! You went early. Come back. In my paraphrase. You see, we're convinced about people getting saved. It's the most amazing miracle. It's a miracle we're convinced of. And we're also convinced pretty much the entire Christian population is convinced that it's God's will to save everybody. Yeah? And that the gospel is powerful and can save everybody. Yes? Is everybody around your street getting saved? Is everybody who preaches the gospel to getting saved? But you still believe the other thing, don't you? That it's God's will to save everybody. That the power of the gospel is there to save people. Don't you believe that, church? Yes. Well, I believe that it's God's will to heal everybody. Am I seeing everybody healed? Should I change what I believe? It's just we're more used to doing it for salvation than we are for signs, wonders, and healing. We think, we go, oh, it didn't happen. Maybe it's not God's will. But we know it's God's will to save people. So it doesn't, we, we've overcome that problem because we're utterly convinced that God is true. And if it's not happening now, if I keep going, one day it will. And Jesus is going to come back to his glorious reward. Everything he, he bought and paid for, he's going to receive. Yeah? yeah? We believe that stuff, don't we? Well, it's just moving it into the same box. And keep pressing through the unexplainable to possess the unforgettable. People taking their hearing aids out and watching telly. He came up to me, the guy said, I watch telly all night without my hearing aids in. (laughs) And I listened to you all morning without my hearing aids in. And this is a really echoey room. But you didn't want to be too out there with it, so he's tested it obviously all week before we got this text this morning. <laughs> I want that. That's unforgettable. Okay, I'm going to round it. That clock's fast, I discovered. I have one minute. How to recover hope. Seven points. <laughs> so if you'll give me an extra ten seconds, it's ten seconds a point. All right, here we go. You need a love encounter with God because love believes all things and hopes all things. There's just something about experiencing the love of God that heals your disappointment. 
that's, that happened to me and there's not time to but that's what the nature of love is it, it heals you up from disappointment number two remember the good stuff whatever is good and noble we're told in Philippians 4 to remember to think on these things train our minds to think about what he has done and not think about what he hasn't done number three value all expressions of the kingdom anything with his supernatural fingerprints on it no matter how small celebrate it We've been learning to do that as a church and and I think we need to stir ourselves again. Every report, every step out, every improvement from pain level of 8 down to 6, celebrate the kingdom coming. Don't sit there going, well, when the blind eyes see, I'll celebrate. I think we've got to celebrate continuously the day of small things, then we'll see the day of great things. We have a culture that is absolutely anchored and dominated by bad news and the celebration of it. And think back to the Olympics and you'll see the huge contrast, the content of the news was 75% good news and everybody loved it. Were there bad things happening in the planet? Yes, there were. Was the, e- the economic crisis in Europe still there? Yes, it was. But we weren't listening to that anymore because we were celebrating gold medals and effort and glorious things and we were a lot happier. That's what we're encouraged to do. Remember the good. Think about the good. Celebrate the good. Re- number four, rediscover intimacy. One thing you will never be disappointed about is the presence of God. So uh, the tree of life, the desire fulfilled, if you keep desiring Him, you'll always know more of Him. Number five, expose yourself to others continuously who are experiencing breakthrough beyond your experience of breakthrough. Hence, the trip that we're taking, we're going to a place that has seen miracles every day for 13 years. We've had 150-odd healings in three years, but they're seeing more than us. I talked to a, just one of their guys that helps. Last time he went, helps in the healing room. He just prayed for a girl who was an 11-year-old girl who was blind in one eye, and it had opened. He said, this just makes my life. just love it. I want to receive more of that. Receive, expose, listen to testimonies. Get yourself exposed to people because it lifts your hope. You think if it can happen for them, we can see it. This boy, this 14-year-old boy, we can see a tumor shrivel and disappear and the skull repair and the hair grow back and the boy have a life. Come on, we can. This is our God. It's not down to you. You could never make that happen. But he's making it happen and he's doing it all over the planet now. And there's no reason why it can't happen here and happen more here in Glasgow. Amen, amen. Worship, give thanks for his goodness even when it's not going well. That's called a sacrifice of praise. And seven, refuse to partner with lies that extinguish your hope. Yeah, turning the news off is probably not a bad thing as well. But lies about you, lies about God, lies about your circumstances. Remember, greatness... And breakthrough in God is often on the other side of disappointment. Amen. Let's stand there.
Well, there you have it. Colours well and truly nailed to mast. I am going to pray for you to get delivered from disappointment. It's like a big lead weight sitting in your heart. And it's time it was out. <laughs> and there's fresh hope for all of us. We all struggle with this. You don't need to be alive very long to get disappointed. So uh, if you'll kind of go, go with this, then I just believe, I'm believing for a, a restoration of hope in this room for lots of us. Okay? So if you want to do this, you can lift your hands, put your hand on your heart, but God's going to come. He's going to pull something out that's unhelpful and a bit ugly and put something in that's sparkly and glistening and bright, motivating, precious. It's called hope. So Heavenly Father, will you just be present again? Increase your manifest presence in this room. <laughs> ah, thank you, Father. Uh, actually, we need to do something. If you just let me lead you in, in prayer. Father, I just want to repent of hosting disappointment. I'm sorry I've been offended with you. <clears throat> and I've protected myself. I want to turn from protecting me and living within what I can control and allow my heart to be full of hope again. Father, will you clean my heart out so that I can trust in the Lord with all of my heart and not rely on my own insight. Holy Spirit, will you come, will you pull out the lead weight of disappointment, of loved ones that are sick and not yet healed of relatives that we've, that we've buried but we prayed for of money that we desperately needed that never came and we felt so foolish of your presence that we've longed for we've never tasted and feel so disappointed that that never broke in on us like it did on others Father, forgive me for harboring such disappointments. <clears throat> Lord, I've just been waiting for a partner for so long and no one showed up. I want to turn from that disappointment and trust that you are good. Just put, put whatever it is in that box. <laughs> healing not received, finances not happening, relationships that broke we thought they were good and they weren't and you decided you'd never form an intimate relationship with anybody again it's time to let go of that let the Holy Spirit pull that out <clears throat> you thought you were called and it's never come it's called by God to great things and it's never happened that disappointment in God's bin 
right now. It's as if he's taken his bin around, put it in. I thought you'd heal me. I thought you'd save my children. I thought you'd rescue my parents. I thought you'd, whatever it is, put it in the bin. Father, we just want to say to you, we, we, we choose to live on the other side of that sharp point. We choose in our hearts to believe you and let everything else be a lie. We choose to believe that you're good. We choose to believe that you heal. We choose to believe that you raise the dead. We choose to believe that you supply finance in a miraculous way. We choose to believe that you called us and it will come to pass. We choose to believe every promise you made and that it's good and it will come to pass. We do choose to believe we can have strong, intimate relationships. We choose to believe we can have life partners that will stay with us. We choose to believe that you have a great plan because you're a good God. We choose to receive hope, a future and a hope. We choose to receive, can you say this with me? We choose to receive a future and a hope from you, Father. Let's say that again. We choose to receive from you a future and a hope from you, Father. Now, Father, will you come and birth bright, joyful hope, faith, burning faith in the hearts of everyone in this room, believing you again for your goodness in their relationships, in their finances, in their health, in their ability to give health to others, in their ability to find a life partner, in, their, in, their, in the calling on their life that it will come to pass, whatever it is for their children that aren't doing well. Lord, restore hope. You're going to restore those families. You're going to restore those bodies. You're going to restore those finances. You're going to restore the callings on people's lives. You're going to restore marriages. You're going to restore people's ability to make relationships. You're going to bring life partners along. You're going to do that, God, because you're good. You're good and your love endures forever. You're good and you've called us. You're a God of hope and you're going to fill our hearts with hope for our future, for our friends, for our families, for our streets, for our workplaces, for our church, for our neighbors. You're going to fill us full of hope for our health, for our finances, for those to be saved around us. Hope is being birthed in this room, in your heart right now from heaven. The goodness of God is being released into you. Receive it because it is good. (laughs) It is glistening and it is full of joy and hope in believing. Your marriage is going to get better. (laughs) Your children are going to get healed. Your finances is going to see God's breath on them. You're going to see checks in the mail and and you're going to see God open doors that never opened to you before. In fact, you're going to see the doors because you couldn't see them. You were so blinded by disappointment. There's some doors in front of some of you right now that are doors of opportunity that you will notice that you didn't notice before. And they're God's opportunity to receive restore your life, restore your career. I believe someone in this room is going to get a career restoration. An opportunity is going to open up to you in the very next few days that you can walk into and you would not have seen it because you weren't expecting it and you weren't looking before. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with hope and joy in believing. Let us experience Romans 15, verse 13, that we're full of joy and hope in believing. (laughs) Explode with life in marriages and families. Explode with life, Father, in bodies that are sick, in eyesight that's lost, in hearing that has gone dull. Explode with hope and release and healing. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit. You're so good at this, God. We're not. (laughs) But when we partner with you, we look really good. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just break off disappointment. Break off depression that's part. Come in with disappointment. Some of you have just been depressed and gloomy and hopeless, and your life has been long, like one long drich day. And I just break that off you right now. In Jesus' name, hope is coming to you. Glory is coming to you. Christ is in you. He's the hope of glory, not the hope of disappointment. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Some of you have decided that it will never happen for you. It's time to undecide. Whatever the it is, it's going to happen. God's promise is good because he made it and he's good.